Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today I'm going to walk you through the story of blind Bartimaeus. And let me tell you what a special and meaningful sermon this is to me, because as many of our listeners know, I am completely blind myself. And when I listen to the story of blind Bartimaeus, oh, my friends, let me tell you, oh, how I can relate with him And I think when we pull the principles, when we extract from God's word today, the timeless truth and the life changing principles, well, I believe you're going to relate with blind Bartimaeus just as much. I'm so thankful that you're listening today. Have you downloaded my free mobile app? When you download Awakened to Grace, literally hundreds of free resources Powerful, life-changing sermons, just like the one you're going to hear today, is right at your fingertips. Why don't you download it right now on whatever device you have. Download Awakened to Grace and follow us all the way through the book of Mark as we go chapter through chapter in this great series called Walking with Jesus. Well, today we're in Mark chapter 10. We come to the amazing story, the unbelievable story of the healing of these blind eyes in blind Bartimaeus. I'm so excited to speak today because I feel very close to the man I'm going to introduce you to out of Scripture today. I feel so close to him. I feel like he's been part of my life for many years now. And his name is Blind Bartimaeus. I'm so excited to speak on Blind Bartimaeus because I fell in love with his story many years ago. As a matter of fact, there is a portrait that hangs in our auditorium. It hangs over here to your left, to my right. And you know, I owned a Christian bookstore back many years ago before Sadie and I were married, and I carried portraits in that bookstore. And one of the paintings that I carried that I wanted to put inside the church, having no idea that one day I would go blind, was this portrait. And it's been in our auditorium since 2007, and I went blind in 2017, 2018. Not knowing that 10 years later, I would face this. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's any coincidence that the Holy Spirit led us to put a portrait of blind Bartimaeus being touched by Jesus way back when? Friends, I just don't think there are any coincidences with the Lord. Then in my first book, I wrote, Calling on the Name of the Lord. Some of you are new and you may not know we have this book. I wrote this book in 2016. And it's a book on prayer. How to call on the name of the Lord. And one of the chapters in here that's very meaningful to me is a chapter on blind Bartimaeus. I wrote this chapter in 2016. Having no clue, not even an inkling, that I would soon be blind myself No pun intended, but what a different perspective I've got now. But you know what I love about the truth of God's Word? The things that I wrote in this chapter, many of the things I'm going to share with you today out of the text, 
Let me tell you, no matter what changes in our life, circumstances may change, but the truth of God's word never changes. And what was true with eyesight is true without eyesight. Amen. So today I want you to go with me, Mark chapter 10. You know, Mark 10 is very interesting, and I wish I had two or three weeks just to walk through the whole chapter with you. I wish we had the time to pick it apart. And, of course, uh, there, God willing, are many more years to preach through the book of Mark. But for our purposes of this current series and for our purpose in the season that the Lord has us in, we are going to only examine verses 46 to 52. However, the entire chapter is quite intriguing. There are two things I want to extract from the chapter that I'll share the second one in just a bit when, we, when, it, when it's relevant to the text. But I first want you to know where we are in the book of Mark. Remember, last week we were at the Mount of Transfiguration. And then this week we are what the Bible calls East of Jordan. Now, why are the geographical locations important for us to understand in the Gospels? It's because it gives us the context of what's being said. So, for example, right off the bat in chapter 10, the Pharisees are going to question Jesus concerning divorce. Why do they question him here? I want you to note this. When the Bible says that he was in the region that is east of Jordan, that is in the territory that really today is the state of Jordan. It was east of Jordan, of the Jordan River. And this territory was ruled by King Herod Antipas. Now, why is that significant? Because what are the Pharisees constantly plotting to do? They want to kill the Messiah. And do you remember his relative, John the Baptist? Do you remember what King Herod Antipas did to John the Baptist? He beheaded him. And why did King Herod behead him? Because John the Baptist preached against the divorce of King Herod. So what are the Pharisees doing when they question Jesus concerning divorce in the region? That is ruled by King Herod Antipas. What they're doing is they're trying to get the same fate toward Jesus that they got toward John the Baptist. As you work your way down the chapter, you're going to see Jesus give five different paradox. Five various paradox. Things like two shall become one. I had the joy of doing a wedding last night. Two shall become one. Paradox like to enter heaven you must become as a child. Paradox like the last shall be first. And so if you pay attention to the chapter, you'll see many things the Lord teaches. But when we come to verse 46, and this is what we're going to focus on today. Verse 46 Mark is going to tell us that Jesus is going to pass through Jericho and on his way leaving Jericho toward Jerusalem. So a few things I want you to note that's just going to help you understand the text far better. Number one, I want you to note this. This begins what we call Passion Week in the life of Jesus. This is going to be the week leading to his crucifixion. Jesus is on the road to Jericho. 
headed to Jerusalem to go to Passover. And this is where he's going to be killed. Previously, he told his disciples that he was going to be killed. This time in chapter 10, he says where he's going to be killed. He keeps giving them more detail, but they still don't quite understand. So they're on the road to Jericho. Now there's a discrepancy, though it seems, in the word of God. But I want to show you that it's no discrepancy at all. In one of the Gospels, it says that Jesus left Jer- or, or, or entered Jericho. Mark's Gospel says he left Jericho. And then that Gospel says that there were two men. Mark only mentions Bartimaeus. So people who are critics of the Bible, people who laugh at people like myself who say the Bible is infallible, that it's without error, that it is inerrant, they'll point to this and they'll say, no, 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 there is a fallacy. How does he leave Jericho yet enter Jericho? Why is there only one here but two others? And they say, there's your fallacy. No, no, my friend. Foolish people like that don't study the Word of God. You must study it. And let me tell you, don't, don't forget this. As you, as you walk through the Gospels, remember what we taught in the beginning of this series. What, what are the Gospels called, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke? What are they called? The synoptic Gospels. Why is that significant? Because synoptic means the same perspective. Sin, S-Y-N, as in where we get our word synonym, meaning the same. It's the same content. It's the same story, but optic, which means optical, perspective. What that means is that while the Gospels will cover the same content in many cases, they are seen from a different perspective. So one Gospel may focus on two men that are healed, whereas John Mark records for us, Bartimaeus alone. It's the same content. It's through different perspective. Now, what is the discrepancy? One entering Jericho, one leaving Jericho. Well, here's the fact. There are two Jerichos in this day. Did you know that? There are two Jerichos one mile apart. There is the old historical Jericho where the walls fell and Joshua had his mighty conquest. In Joshua 6. And then see King Herod built a lavish palace one mile down the road. That was also called Jericho. What is it? It's one set of content with different perspectives. Okay. Verse 46 is going to tell us that as he left Jericho. That he was followed not only by the disciples. But I want you to note this in your text. He was followed by a great crowd. Now, there are two reasons why there is a great crowd here. Number one, because everywhere Jesus went, there was a great crowd. But there is also some meaning here. There is some significance that I don't want you to miss. When it came to Passover time, and everyone began to make their pilgrimage toward Jerusalem, rabbis, who were high-level teachers in this day, Rabbis would come from all over the nation. And the road from Jericho to Jerusalem was such a widely traveled road that think about this. 
If you were someone that you lived in a small village, say five miles from Jericho, what all of the surrounding areas would do, they would flock to the road to Jericho because famous rabbis would be on that road. And when crowds would gather, rabbis would stop and they would teach the crowds. It was an opportunity for you to hear some pretty extraordinary teaching. And when word got out that Jesus was on his way, crowds flocked. So get the image in your mind. Everyone is along the roads. There's a huge crowd following. And in this road, verse 46 introduces us to a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. You know, I was telling Sadie this week, we were in Nashville this week, and on our way home, I was telling her, I just can't wait to one day ask in heaven, why do we know the names of some people in the Gospels, but so many others we don't? We know Jairus and his daughter. We know Bartimaeus. But why do we not know the name of the man with the withered hand? Why do we not know the man with leprosy? Why do we not know the name of the woman with the blood disease? Or why do we not know the name of the woman who was the Syrophoenician woman? But we know this man's name. And I want to make a proposal to you at the end today. I want to tell you why I think that Mark included the name Bartimaeus. I think there is a surprising reason why. And we'll deal with that in verse 52. So we get introduced. There's a blind man. He's on the side of the road. Not only is he there, I think, because he wanted to hear some teaching, but... In reality, he's there to get alms. He's there with ready to ask for charity, ready to ask for help. You're talking about feeling like a blind beggar myself. That's how I feel every Sunday when I take my, my massive empty coffee cup to the coffee bar. I feel like a blind beggar. <laughs> Which one's Jamaican? <laughs> Which one's breakfast blend? <laughs> so here we are. I want you to go with me in your mind's eye. Here we are, we're on the dusty road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And there's a big crowd. But you know what I love? Jesus knew who Bartimaeus was. And I want you to know that in whatever crowd today, Jesus knows exactly who you are. And he knows your needs. He knows what you're facing in life. He knows what you're afraid of right now. He knows what you're questioning. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you're anxious over. Let me tell you, no matter how big the crowd is, Jesus knows exactly who you are. It's interesting, the next verse, verse 47, it says that when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there. I love that. When he heard about Jesus of Nazareth. Let me tell you my heart for this church. I am so thankful for our property. I'm so thankful for our auditorium. I'm, uh, look, look, I hope you guys are enjoying the new, the new, you know, our men work so hard installing uh, this incredible media this weekend. And, and everyone just says it looks amazing. And, and I hope that you appreciate the advancements. I hope you appreciate the outreaches. I hope you appreciate the work that goes into furthering the kingdom of God that this church does. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, do you know what my greatest desire is? 
My greatest desire is not to fill every chair. My greatest desire is not to fill up a bank account. My greatest desire is not to have the most slick technology. My greatest desire is that people who are hurting in this city would hear that Jesus is here. Amen. That's the desire. And when people who are hurting, when people that are broken will find out, when they hear that Jesus is in this building, oh, my friend, we won't have room enough to contain it. Amen. Hallelujah. We had a marriage that was on the marriage conference with us. And she was telling me that at a time when they were separated in in the throes of divorce, she would drive by this church and we had a massive sign on our church, a big banner, and it said, save your marriage. And she said, I would drive by and I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And now they're here and now they serve and now they're on the marriage conference. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, it's our aim. (sighs) I mean, the Bartimaeus is of our city here. That Jesus is near. Oh, there's nothing greater. And he heard that Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, you ought to just circle that phrase. Because let me tell you, there's power in that name. Amen. And what did he do? Oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of circling in your Bible today. You ought to circle this. Do you know what he did? He cried out. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why I love that he cried out? Because let me tell you what Jesus is attracted to. He's attracted to people who are desperate for help. He's attracted to weakness. Did you know that? He's repelled by pride, but he's attracted to weakness. When you offer the Lord your weakness, you're offering God something that he doesn't have. Weakness. And that's when he takes your weakness and he gives you his strength. Amen. Don't you be ashamed of your weakness today. Don't you be ashamed to walk in here and let tears flow. Don't you be ashamed to walk in here and lay your burdens on the altar. Don't you be ashamed to tell the Lord all that's going on in your life. Amen. He is attracted to people who are desperate. And he repels those who act like they got it all together. This man cried out. Oh, have you ever cried out to the Lord? Are you talking to everybody but Him? Are you asking advice from everyone but Him? Cry out to the Lord. And listen what He cried. Jesus, look what He says. Son of David. Oh, my friends, you know what He just said? (laughs) You remember the last time In Mark, we heard that term, son of David. It wasn't from the Pharisees. And it wasn't from the scribes or the Sadducees or the chief priests or even from the professional Christians, the disciples. You know who the last person we heard call him son of David? It was that wonderful Syrophoenician woman. (laughs) It was that Gentile that had no hope in this world. Amen. But yet she said, Jesus, 
son of David. What is that? Friends, that's a messianic title for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what this blind man's saying? This blind man is saying, I know you are who you say you are. Amen. And let me tell you who God's looking for today. He's not looking for professional Christians. You may be listening today and you may feel like the least among everybody. But let me tell you, when you believe that God is who he says he is, let me tell you what it does. It activates your faith. Amen. And this man had more faith on the side of this road than anyone. And his faith was activated. Hallelujah. I want a faith that's active. I want a faith that believes God. I want a faith that believes that God is exactly who God says he is. And God will do what God says he will do. That's the kind of faith I want. And that's the faith this man had. My, my, my. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to look at what this crowd did. Now, I told you back in chapter 2. You remember back in chapter 2 with the paralytic man who the crowd was so big they wouldn't let him get to Jesus? They had to climb up the staircase onto the roof, take the roof apart and lower him just to get him to Jesus because that crowd was nothing but a hindrance and nothing but a roadblock. Let me tell you, Jesus was never impressed with crowds. Never once. And the church ought not be either. Amen? Let me tell you what I love about blindness more than anything. I never know how many people I'm preaching to. You know why? Because it don't matter. I'll preach the same no matter how full it is or how empty it is. Don't care. Crowds shouldn't matter. People matter. The individual matters. The blind, the Bartimaeuses matter. Amen? And so this crowd, I want you to look what they say to me. They rebuke him. They silence him. Let me tell you, you cannot live based on other people's opinions. If you're somebody that you seek the approval of others, you're going to be mighty disappointed. You cannot seek other people's approval. You cannot care what other people think. Amen? You can't do it. Oh, you can't do it. you got to do what God says. Amen. Let me just share with you my heart right now. You know, on May 1st, we're hosting this mighty day, this healing Sunday. Let me tell you. If I listened to what other people said, we wouldn't be doing a healing Sunday. Because do you know how awkward that can be? Do you know how awkward it is? You know... You know how discouraging Satan will, he'll, he'll tell me, you're the craziest thing I've ever seen. You're going to do a healing Sunday when you're blind as a bat. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take God at his word when you can't see a thing. Satan will lie. Oh, he's a whore. He'll say, what are you going to do? Lay hands on people and poke them in the eye because you can't see them? You're foolish. You're silly. Let me tell you, if you listen to the crowd, if you listen to others' opinion, if you listen to Satan, let me tell you, if you listen to yourself half the time, you know what you'll hear? Sit down. 
Shut up. Be quiet. Don't trust God. But no, let me show you what blind Bartimaeus did. You look at it right there in your Bible. When they rebuked him, when they told him to be quiet, you know what he did? The Bible says he cried out all the more. Amen. Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church.